get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit penfed.org slash goldcard. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. You're listening to 87.1 Caroline Radio. KCGN Bakersfield, your home for all your variety hits, just like the Aaron's Opinion Podcast. And for on the podcast side, welcome back, listener. How are you? I'm glad you had a good week. You know, I must say, I'm really impressed with, uh, I'm really pleased with the results that I've been getting from you all over the world for Aaron's opinion. And speaking of all over the world, I must say that I'm really touched and really honored to tell you that right now, we're talking to someone named Sushil, all the way from Kathmandu, Nepal. Welcome to the Aaron's Opinion Podcast and Caroline Radio. You are blind, like most of us in the audience, and you are an, a youth activist. All right, why don't you introduce yourself and get into your life story? And as I said, I'll walk you through uh, the podcast as we walk through it. But welcome to Aaron's Opinion. How are you? Thank you so much, Erin. I'm very well, pretty good. My day has just started here in Nepal. It's 5.50 a.m. in the morning, and my day has just started and thank you, so and thank you, and we thank you from all over the world for getting up so early. I greatly appreciate that. Really, it's really impressive that you would you. you would get up so early to talk to someone so unimportant as me. I immensely appreciate that, my friend. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, my name is Sushil, just like the Japanese food called Sushi, and I am from Kathmandu, Nepal, the lap of Mount Everest, the highest peak of the world. So uh, by passion, I am an activist for youth and disability rights, working hard in Nepal to raise awareness on disability rights and issues, helping people with disabilities uh, get empowered through civic innovation, entrepreneurship development, and community outreach programs. By profession, I am a tech entrepreneur. Um, I am a trainer of uh, accessible and adaptive technologies, applications, and devices and working hard here in Nepal, introducing different gadgets and accessible technologies. And I taught uh, around a decade to blind uh, uh, different community skills. And now I'm you know, working more vibrantly to help uh, uh, to all kinds of people with disabilities through uh, technology. So I have started a campaign called Technology for Change that helps people understand the importance of accessibility and technology. And this campaign also seeks to uh, educate people uh, to be the genuine users of technology, not, but not the slaves of it. I'm already incredibly impressed with everything you've said. Um, that's really, really cool and really important. You know, a few years ago, um, I volunteered on an island nation called St. Lucia, teaching accessible technology uh, for their blind welfare organization. And uh, my job is I'm a teacher, by the way. I forget if I mentioned it on Messenger, so I'm mentioning it now. I'm a teacher and I teach English as a second language online. When I'm not wow. doing that, yeah. I'm, I'm podcasting. And my, my background um, is that uh, my academic background is in the field of international relations. Um, and I, I have never been to Nepal, uh, but of course I know we know about Mount Everest and we know about your country, the Mount Everest country. Um, wow, that's really impressive. But the, thank, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But really, apart from Mount Everest, that's about all most Americans know about Nepal. Um, so what will be most interesting, I think, for our listeners, and I, I already know a little bit about this, but I want your, your knowledge and your perspective. Can you tell people what it's really like today, what's going on in Nepal today as it relates to, you know, growing up with a disability, living with blindness, and having to be successful in, in Nepalese uh, society today? Would you like to speak on that? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Right uh, so, yeah. Uh, so uh, in Nepal, um, so uh, uh, if you still go to rural communities, 
uh, you know, disability has been considered something like sin or curse committed in the previous birth, which is quite, you know, a nonsense thing, but, you know, still people do believe in that way. So, uh, for example, like, let me tell you my, you know, little story. My brother is also blind. Um, you know, he's blind by uh, his birth, but I became blind when I was 11 years old. So when I became blind at the age of 11, not only I had to suffer, but my entire family had to suffer because disability used to be considered something like sin or curse committed in the previous birth. So our, we, our family had to be heavily ostracized and we had to, uh, you know, fight and battle the stigma and discrimination that, you know, uh, people brought up, uh, like, you know, people um, brought about in our, like, you know, society. So, um, so even, you know, our neighbors accused my mother and grandmother uh, of practicing witchcraft uh, because like, you know, so in their opinion, so having you know, the children who have impairment would uh, like, you know, bring some sort of evil in the community. So because of that discrimination and stigma, and I, my brother, from the very childhood of our time, we determined to act for the fact and to fight for the rights. And we had a strong, you know, passion in our heart that, you know, really we should do something to educate people about the real meaning of disability. That's why like we are, you know, vibrantly active to, to educate people about the real meaning of disability because our society and the mindset mindsets have to be changed. So, so um, uh, you know, so few years ago in 2015, Nepal faced another devastating, um, you know, disaster, which was earthquake. And, you know, in earthquake, uh, uh, many uh, people got trapped in the, into the rubble and they were rescued without limbs and they were rescued without arms, without feet. And many people became blind because of head injuries and facial disfigurements. So, uh, so I and our team of volunteers are working, you know, for those people to help them regain independence. So I forgot to mention one thing, that is, uh, I and my brother, we co-founded a volunteer-based organization called Bright Star Society. It is purely volunteer-based, uh, not, you know, uh, associated, associated, associated with our profession, but, you know, it's, uh, we, we came up with this organization to, to, to spread the words of inclusive volunteerism. That means everybody can serve. So in the developing countries like Nepal, uh, people primarily consider people with disabilities as, as the beneficiaries of services. But we are saying, no, we are not only the beneficiaries of services, but we can also do something and we can equally be uh, contributors for our nation, nation and generation unconditionally, whatever our physical limitations are. So we don't you know, believe in you know, that kind of physical limitations people would believe. So we are uh, now like, you know, working on the ground, you know, volunteering through this Bright Star Society, not only for people with disabilities, but even for those who, ha who do not have any kind of disabilities. So I saw so much gap that exists between people who are living with and without disabilities. For example, people who have sight or who are blind. So socialization is more important, I think. So, so this, you know, volunteer-based organization, Bright Star Society, has been continuously in service to people, uh, you know, helping both parties, people with and without disabilities in Nepal. Amazing. Perfect. So, um, yeah, I do remember that earthquake that, that struck your country years ago. Um, right. Yeah, that was, that was a, a, a big deal. And so, okay, specifically, what does your volunteer organization do? And uh, what role do you play? And exactly, and really what, what I think our listeners want to learn more about is what needs, you know, how do people live in Nepal? What do uh, what is it? What is everybody doing there? What really needs to happen in Nepal? Do you think, and what exactly goes on there as far as helping people and reaching out to people? Right. So, uh, so once we became, uh, you know, economically independent in 2013, uh, so we thought that now this is the time to give back something to our society. So, uh, so that, that's why, like, we came up with our, you know, this volunteer-based organization. Its its name is Bright Star Society, a transformative step for inclusive society. So, this Bright Star Society primarily aims at bridging the gap between those who are living with and without disabilities, 
through different activities and also empowers people with disabilities through civic innovation, entrepreneurship development, community outreach programs, and offering series of independent living training. So, uh, so basically we all are volunteers in this and I and my brother, we, we are the co-founders. We are, uh, our roles are you know, mainly managing and mobilizing volunteers. We take volunteers both who are, we have disabilities or not, uh, it doesn't matter, but we, we say that you know, everybody can serve. And we came up with the idea that the spirit of inclusive volunteerism, that means no matter whatever professions we hold, whether we are a doctor, we are an engineer, or we are just a student, it doesn't matter. So everybody can be volunteer and everybody can serve for each other. Everybody can be helping hands for each other. So with just using uh, the you know, spirit of volunteerism, after earthquake, we constructed 450 temporary shelters for the victims who are living with disabilities. And we provided uh, relief uh, you know, packages to hundreds of uh, you know, people with disabilities. And later we did entrepreneurship development because providing food or shelter were just to address the immediate needs of people. So we, we, we thought some sort of you know, sustainable business ideas and we, we started helping people get started with their little business ideas and we started doing some sort of seed funding and we started making them independent. So uh, yeah, in this way, uh, we, we, we would say that you know, we are the warrior of change uh, you know, for Nepal. We are trying to be the warrior uh, you know, to, to, to bring about some sort of you know, impactful changes in Nepal in terms of educating people who do not have disabilities and empowering people who have disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I, I just love that. That's, it's a really, a really, really good outlook on life. And that's, that's a really perfect way of, of overcoming this obstacle, basically no pun intended, but that's, that's a great way to climb the mountain of, of this challenge. Um, right. So you mentioned how you help people with disabilities to set up different businesses. So uh, I mean, there's every business in Nepal, just like any every business anywhere. But what are some businesses that you have found to be particularly profitable in Nepal these days? What do you think? Um, yeah. So, um, so uh, in terms of you know this entrepreneurship, you know, development and you know developing business uh, ideas. Um, so uh, the main businesses that we uh, invested on, you know soap makings and detergents making because uh, earthquake made a lot of you know daily wage workers you know physically challenged uh, so uh, for educated folks uh, you know they are getting you know jobs in the markets and they are at least you know are able to tap into some sort of opportunities themselves but those who are who were not literate and those who acquired disabilities uh, in earthquake. So their situation were like, you know, really terrible. Uh, so we, we, we came up with some sort of, you know, vocational training and, and we, we, we helped them with some, uh, you know, local businesses that could be, you know, benefited for their community. So uh, here uh, in Nepal, the demand of, you know, soaps or like, you know, detergents that, that rose high and high uh, in terms of like, you know, sanitation, matter is concerned so uh, that business grew up so uh, you know drastically and also um, you know some folks they um, uh, they have really you know great you know handicrafts uh, skills so handicraft business is also you know grew, grew up very well because many you know tourists and foreigners who visit Nepal they they love uh, the arts and handicrafts you know um, you know uh, done by uh, people with disabilities, uh, our beneficiaries, uh, entrepreneurs. So handicraft, I would say that comes first. Excellent, wonderful. So soap making, uh, learning how to make uh, soap. Um, right. d- you also use the word de- uh, detergent. Uh, right, right, w- right. What do you, what do you mean? Just selling, selling bottles of detergent that people use to wash their clothing like that? Right, right, yes, like that, yeah. Okay, and then handcrafts. Okay, so right, can you 
handicrafts or hand handcrafts. Can you go into yes. more detail? Um, m m most of the audience is blind. So from a blindness mm -hmm. perspective, what, what, what would it be? Can you describe some of the pieces? Sure. So uh, we have like, you know, so we have collaborated with some, you know, uh, you know, local youth clubs and they are, you know, they have been providing that kind of trainings. So handicrafts, uh, like, you know, um, it's very, you know, groom like, you know, blooming here, because uh, the things which are, you know, made and uh, added by using our hands, like, you know, that, that brings a lot of artistic presentations, some sort of like, you know, jewelries, some sort of like, you know, keychains, uh, like, uh, you could just, uh, you know, like, come up with the uh, the chains of keys so with the picture like with some sort of you know tactile like you know braille dots and some sort of you know handicrafts stuff having the photos of Louise Braille or Helen Keller uh, you know people like people who are who have sight they are you know very much attracted towards those stops so we have targeted uh, this market especially to uh, uh, to sighted and uh, to tourists because you know they they, they get to see uh, those those crafts you know uh, done by our beneficiaries with different disabilities so because we don't only help blind and visually impaired because we have a lot of entrepreneurs who have sight and they uh, are able to see and like you know make some designs uh, in terms of some like filling up some arts and that makes the combination very awesome, you know. So once we work together, it, there remains no barrier. So, so yeah, this way also. And and I would also like to add one thing uh, I that mentioned uh, I, I forgot before was you know I have been to United States several times doing my solo adventure. Uh, I'm completely blind, blind and I, I did some, you know, solo adventure in United States. So whenever I went there to the States, I brought a lot of, you know, electronic gadgets, for example, refurbished computers. And we helped those computer sets with uh, to the people who are like, you know, severely, um, you know, physically challenged because of earthquake. So we taught them, you know, graphic designing and video editing stops so that they could work right from their home. Uh, homes and we are doing some sort of you know outsourcing things like you know connecting them with some corporate houses because you know corporate houses they also want to have their video editing or you know do some sort of you know graphic things so so they are also getting you know persons who could work for them and people who are who have severe disability they can also work right from their home just using computer and the skills we have provided. So it's kind of, you know, outsourcing model that we have used for our, you know, business modeling thing. Outstanding, outstanding. And exactly when you say outsourcing from home, um, what what does that entail? Uh, specifically, what, what job would they be doing at home, you know, online? I, I, I understand it, you know, I podcast online. This, right. This is, this is certainly online. I'm nowhere near Kathmandu, and you're nowhere near me wherever I am. But the, but yeah, sure. but this is certainly online. So what what job would they be doing online? Basically, um, especially designing and video editing stuffs uh, they can do, uh, and also just to uh, to promote real. And we have asked uh, you know different companies and business houses to make their brochures, visiting cards, and their, you know, leaflets uh, into Braille also. And we have even, you know, asked them to, to, to make their invitation, like, you know, letters uh, into Braille also. So whenever, like, you know, they have uh, the works to be done with, uh, in, in regard to designing, you know, like, uh, and that can be done, you know, right from the home, uh, you, know, you know, by our beneficiaries. So outsourcing is a kind of, you know, making connection between those who need, so, so who, who, who would like to offer, like, you know, who would like to have their works on and, and to those who are needing, like looking for some sort of opportunities uh, to work. Uh, so, so it's kind of like, you know, uh, kind of making connection, uh, I think. So, so wonderful. I'm, I'm really, 
I'm really happy. I mean, this really makes me happy as a as a successful blind person. As a regardless, as a successful person in America, I'm so glad that that this is happening in in in, in Nepal. So so wonderful. Um, yeah, you know, you well, actually, you 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 know this, but you know, listener, you at home, you'd be surprised. Um, there is a lot that can be done just with YouTube videos. I mean, you can do the editing for people. The other big thing that's oftentimes overlooked, um, and uh, and if if you want to do this, if there's well, let me t- let me tell you what it is first. Is that something that's overlooked in in YouTube? Is that there's a great need for videos to be uh, captioned and translated, meaning someone needs to sit there and like um, type captions. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know how to do it, so I don't do it. But if someone, you know, who speaks a different language wanted to, to do captions for my videos, that would be, that would be great. Um, so yeah, this, this podcast, by the way, goes out onto a YouTube, my YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, have you, um, ha- have you ever used that software yourself? Have you ever written captions um, in, uh, in, in, in Nepali for a, for a YouTube video? Uh, not really, uh, not really. So I, ha- I have made uh, very limited videos and, and, you know, in terms of English, you know, uh, so it's, um, I, I have generated or like done auto generated kind of things and I did manual caption writing once, but in terms of Nepali, I have not. So, uh, it, uh, so having heard from Yuri, you know, it, uh, it also inspired me to, uh, you know, try more like videos and, and doing this in Nepali, localizing content in Nepali also. Yeah. That would hey, be you're, very wonderful. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't see why not. As, as far as Aaron right here from Aaron's opinion is concerned, if you have an, if you have a Nepalese friend who watched this, right. but they need, right. they right. need Nepali translation, you're more, I'm not stopping you. You're more than welcome to, 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 sure. to do captions. Um, yeah, for my of, course, video. Yeah. of course, I, I would have no idea how it works, but some of the famous YouTubers, uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they, there's a way to like make money doing that. There are, yeah, there, there is some, yeah, I don't know. There is definitely a website in companies where they hire people all over the world to do, to do ca- uh, captioning. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's a bit, and you would think that would, that could be done with robots, but no, it really can't. So we need people to do that. Yeah. And right, by right. the way, how many, how many languages do you speak? By the way, I speak English and French. How many languages do you speak? I, uh, Nepali, Hindi, a little bit Chinese, a little bit Spanish, English. Wonderful, wonderful man. Wonderful. Yeah. And how did you, how and why did, did, did you learn a little bit of Spanish? Uh, because like, you know, I love adventure. Uh, I, I love, you know, challenging, you know, different things. So uh, uh, that's why like, you know, because I do travel a lot. Um, I did travel a lot in the past also. So, so, so I think language, you know, connects people. So sometimes, you know, we need to learn some like, uh, you know, phrases and words that would save our life. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And um, in a nutshell, in summary, mm-hmm. um, what can you tell me about the Nepali language? Is it a similar language to Hindi? Uh, it's a uh, yeah, similar language to Hindi because the root is the same. It's called Sanskrit. Hmm. So Nepali, Hindi, uh, you know, Bangla, Bengali. Uh, so uh, these all are uh, the families of kind of you know same roots root so yeah very similar i see yeah that's what i thought yeah interesting so yeah i mean in in nepalese uh schools and society are our children learning english at school now yeah they're learning english so in the past in our time so there used to be different gap between you know government school and private school so government school only had one english subject but uh, in you know boarding or private uh, school would be uh, much more expensive and they would have like you know really excellent you know English teaching and learning activities uh, but nowadays you know government school has also adopted you know different activities you know to to help students learn English so it's uh, it's growing now excellent so good so good yeah I've taught students from all over the world um mm-hmm online uh i work for as i tell people 
I work for company X. I don't, I, I keep it to myself mm -hmm. what it's called, but I call it company X, let's say. I've had a couple Nepalese people living in the Middle East, but I've never, no, actually, now that I think back to it, I did have one Nepalese teenager living in Kathmandu, but I've seen, as far as the internet goes, I've seen, you know, significantly less people from Nepal, you know, less uh, internet activity mm -hmm. as far as, you know, students and people coming from, you know, your, your region. Um, even, right. even, in, even in India, there's not as many learners of English online as you would think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like India, Nepal, those countries just are starting, they're starting, certainly starting to understand and, and, can, and make a connection globally with the internet, but it's not as, um, not as common as some of the other, you know, Asian countries, it seems. Right, right, right. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you like going on adventures. Right. Um, and so where, so where have you traveled to in the United States? Um, so, uh, I have been to Boston, Washington, DC, Pennsylvania, uh, then California, San Francisco, and I hiked and camped into Mount Lassen National Park, which is the biggest volcanic uh, national park of the world, I think. Uh, not only I think, but it's, it's true. Then I went to <laughs> Seattle, uh, um, and I up, uh, went up to uh, Buffalo, um, you know, Canadian border. Uh, uh, the Niagara Falls. Hmm. Yeah, so so let me tell you a little bit of story about, you know, my uh, U.S. adventure. So in 2014, I was invited by Fletcher Summer Institute, uh, like it's uh, under uh, Tufts University in Boston. Um, so there was a, a, a conference. So after that conference, I decided to travel off my own because, you know, I had, uh, you know, more visa lit. So uh, then I contacted, uh, because, you know, the conference that I went uh, at Tops University was not for, you know, f uh, for people with disabilities. So, uh, so I decided since I came here, I should uh, go and explore, you know, what uh, kind of, you know, things people do here and what kinds of, kinds of life there. So I, I contacted the National Federation of the Blind. At the, you know, as a coincidence, their conventions was happening in Orlando, Florida. Then they invited me over there. So uh, I went to Washington DC from Boston and took 20 hours train ride uh, with the team of you know, Washington DC National Federation of the Blind and went to Orlando, Florida and attended uh, the national convention and made a lot of you know, blind and visually impaired uh, friends there. And, uh, and that happened in 2014. So right after earthquake, uh, um, I was, uh, invited by World Bank to uh, to speak uh, about our relief uh, post earthquake relief works uh, in Washington D.C. The conference was for four days. So after like speaking there, then I again decided now I should do something for Nepal. So I launched a campaign called Trash into Treasures. So I went to Washington D.C. National Federation of the Blind, Pennsylvania, uh, New York, Buffalo, and I I asked people. So if you really want to help Nepal, so give something that would. Uh, be your trash, what could be our treasures? So, so Dean Stoneshipper from Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind at that time, he also helped me collect you know, a lot of broken canes and he, he helped uh, us you know, fix those canes and we made th all those trashes into treasures. And Dean Stoneshipper, Libra Robinson, and Son Callaway, uh, even uh, like you know, our friend from uh, New Jersey, Alvin Glasgow, they they all helped me in this campaign and and I was able to bring a lot of you know hundreds of sturdier canes from United States and we donated those canes and magnifiers to the earthquake victims uh, you know visually impaired folks uh, so 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 I am really really grateful to you know those people who helped uh, me especially those blind and visually impaired fellows helping uh, Nepal at that time was really really commendable and I always appreciate their efforts. Um, you know, to help Nepal at that time. Well, I think that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really glad to hear that that you had such a good experience. Um, I would I would also be a little confused about why you why you chose to take a twenty hour train ride from Washington D.C. 
when you could when they could have flown but i'm guessing that you were so appreciative and so happy to be able to go to the national convention in orlando right. that i i don't think you complained about the 20 hour train ride no no i was not complaining <laughs> you know it was uh, just like you know telling the story of adventure so That's because cool. you know yeah 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 there was a crew of you know national federation of the blind and we traveled together no no hassle at all well, well, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, we're coming up on the hard break here. Um, mm-hmm. My and listener, my name is Aaron Richmond. He's Sushil uh, from Kathmandu, Nepal. Uh, we're going to keep this going, but of course, you're listening to eighty-seven point one Caroline Radio, KCGN. We'll be right back. Welcome back, listener. How are you? Aaron Richmond. This is Aaron's Opinion on 87.1 Caroline Radio, KCGN Bakersfield, your home for all your variety hits. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you might have noticed that we're also on Blind Advocate Radio. Thank you to both of our stations for airing this podcast today, whenever it may air. And if you are not listening on the radio, you can listen on all of the podcast clients and on YouTube. Anyway, we're talking to Sushil from Kathmandu, Nepal. All right. Before the break, we were talking about your wonderful experience you had in Orlando. Tell me more about that experience and um, specifically what activities did you participate in? What did they have? What did you do? Did you go to Disney? You know, t- tell us all about it. Uh, well, I was really amazed to have met a lot of, you know, blind and visually impaired people from all across the states and uh, like under the single roofs and you know listening there you know different activities uh, that that really uh, inspired me and and i participated in you know different uh, you know groups uh, especially i was you know fond of a travel and tourism a tourism division uh, led by uh, sarah lecheveria and I also met people from a special group needs. Uh, uh, I, I, I forgot the name, but Andrew, special needs group. So they were offering so much, you know, services, you know, for the travelers with disabilities. And I, I was, you know, I was learning a lot. It was really a growthful a learning experience for me. Uh, and also, you know, somebody taught me, uh, you know, navigating with cane in U.S. because. Uh, here in Nepal, we do use very soft cane, and because the streets are very narrow, and things are you know pretty different over here, uh, you know, uh, unlike uh, America. So, so, so I, I also learned some you know American ways to to navigate around, and I also saw people using uh, blind guiding dogs, and and I I always bring uh, an analogy with, with, uh, like between dogs over there in america and over here in nepal and it's just yeah. like yeah it's it's just like you know kind of you know really funny so i would always say that you know in america i saw blind guiding dogs but here in nepal we have blind biting dogs you know because a lot of stray dogs are found to be sleeping on the pavements, <laughs> and many times our pains you know, happen to stop them <laughs> I got it. I got. I. 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 Yes. Yes. You explained it. So in you, the. The. I. I. I get the humor. That's. That's. That's cool, man. That's. That's an interesting joke, and that's. That's. Yeah. I. I. I really understand the picture of Nepal. So in Nepal, um, just like actually 
in many countries around the world, they have a stray dog problem. That's not just Nepal. It's a problem. Right. It's a problem in a lot of places. Um, right. for, it's a lot of different reasons, but it's a problem in many places. Yes, so they have bl by yes. blind biting dogs. While we in America, we have blind guiding dogs. <laughs> right. right. I got you. Yeah, mate. You know, I um, I have a, I actually have a retired guide dog. And, uh -huh, she lives, yep. and she lives in my home now. Yeah, she's wonderful. Her name is Nani. And, mm -hmm. and wow, she, Nani. Yeah. It's Nepali, she, do you know that? Uh, what, what does that word mean in Nepali? Uh, Nani means uh, a small child, girl child. Oh, that's interesting because in the Italian language, it's the word for grandmother. So it's interesting oh. how in many languages, the word Nani relates to a person. That's a very odd thing. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So um, I can understand that in, in Nepal, um, it would not be it would not be heard of for a blind person to have like a trained guide dog from a school. Right. Or, uh, or are there nowadays are, are some blind people able to have a guide dog in Nepal? What, what, what do you no, think? No, no uh, nobody has yeah. a guide dog yet uh, here. Because, uh, like, you know, here things are, you know, pretty different. You know, people could uh, imagine, you know, things are, you know, buses are full. Uh, not only, like, in, they sit on the seat, but, you know, they hang around even on the door. So, uh, so here the outlook is, you know, different. So streets are very narrow. Um, and, and nobody, no blind person has used guide dog yet here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I have learned about some of this um, through watching documentaries and, mm -hmm. you know, learning about, you know, your, your, your society um, mm -hmm. over the years, you know, from hearing about different, different organizations and different movies that have been made. It's, I, I, I mean, uh, unfortunately, and it seems to be true a little bit, that it seems that life is, is very challenging in Nepal. And that there mm -hmm. are many, yep. mm, yeah. So, I mean, are, are, do you agree with that, though? Do you think it's hard? Yeah, 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 sure. Because, oh. you know, um, oh, okay. especially we, we do have two kind of barriers that we, uh, people with disabilities have been facing here. One, first and foremost, comes as physical barrier because the things are not, like, you know, disabled friendly. Uh, uh, we are, you know, advocating and push, uh, pushing hard, uh, you know, pushing through, uh, pushing hard through, uh, uh, you know, to to uh, you know pressurize government to adapt accessible uh, accessible infrastructures. Many you know government buildings are still you know they lack uh, ramps or you know elevators. Yeah. And 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 the predicament is that in all the top-headed people they 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 sit on the top floor and they don't want to come down. And, and we are like you know we we do like you know we have been pressurizing. And, and you know after like in Auschwitz many buildings have been. Uh, like have uh, you know fallen down and government uh, is reconstructing many buildings and and we are saying this is the right time in to pressurize government to to consider accessibility right from the center because you know new buildings are being constructed right so so uh, so the changes have been changes have been seen in terms of new construction uh, so earthquake happened that was bad but you know this also give gave us an opportunity to reframe um, and in consider accessible infrastructures you know, for people with disabilities to enjoy the equal rights that others are enjoying. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really important. And I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, I think. Um, but I think ultimately the hardest and greatest challenge for blind people in, in every country is overcoming the social, the social things, Stigma. dealing with, right. dealing right. with, dealing with 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 you know people around you and that type of thing now it's, yes. it's hard it's 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 hard to compare because i am suspicious that these issues are a lot more severe in nepal than perhaps many countries but right. and 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 at, at the same time and i believe you a thousand percent mate but at and on top of that i can tell you that as a successful american Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you that even even in America, there are mm -hmm. still like there's still ignorant people and discrimination and inappropriate things. And it's not 
the same as it is in your country, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah. we, we still have, and I'm, I mean, I'm saying this to, to listeners all over the world because a lot of people, not, not you at all, because you, you're aware, you know, you've traveled the world and you seem to be, you know, perfectly aware of things, but many people have been led to believe, and many students of mine have been led to believe this too, that everything is just perfect in America. You know, they, they think that when they get off the plane, they're going to be instantly rich and that everything's going to be like easy and there's no struggles in our country at all. Well, the fact is, the philosophical fact is that life is a struggle and that there are challenges everywhere. Now, yes. <clears throat> do, now factually, do you have way more challenges in Nepal than I would ever imagine in my lifetime? Yes. But yeah, of course. But yes, you do. But I also am one to believe and I was raised and I was taught to believe that in the end, it's our job to make sure that we're the person who's successful. Basically, I don't I don't care what country you're from. What mm-hmm. I do care about is is how much you've helped people and how successful you are in your own life. Because right. being helpful and being successful, that's not a nationality. That's not a passport. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I view it. So but when you, you know, when you interact with Nepalese people around you, have you found that over time um, are some Nepalese people becoming a little bit more aware of, of successful blind people like you? Are they becoming um, a little bit more modern, I guess? What, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, there is a big gap between, you know, people living in urban and rural areas. I already told you that, you know, if you... If we like, you know, cross Kathmandu Valley, uh, you know, if we go to rural communities and people, uh, you know, have a lot of misconceptions about, you know, disability and, you know, like a lot of stigmas are there, a lot of discriminations are there, but, you know, uh, it differs, you know, uh, whom we are like interacting with. If in the urban areas, in the city, people are, you know, getting more educated and they know, like, you know, they have at least heard about, um, you know, the contribution made by people with disabilities and they have seen, you know, people with disabilities working in different, you know, fields. They have started about, you know, Helen Keller, Louise Braille, and even like, you know, a lot of, you know, successful um, blind and visually impaired people in our own local context as well. But, you know, in rural communities, you know, there are a lot of people who are illiterate and uneducated. They have never seen the faces of the school and they misinterpret uh you know uh the things as their own you know understanding uh, so 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 you know it's a kind of like you know tricky yeah it seems it seems so it seems so and the same similar story can be said anywhere um any and it usually if you go into more of an urban environment people seem to be more aware i i've noticed this myself in new york Mm-hmm. Um, people in New York are far more understanding of people with disabilities than all other, it seems to be than many other cities. I mean, I don't know. It's all, it's all really interesting, but yeah. What can you tell our listeners as far as like, you know, what is Kathmandu like? Um, so again, I've been to all over Europe. I've been to mm-hmm. the Carib, I've been to islands, but I've never been to Asia. So to me, would Kathmandu, would it be like, to me as an American, does it seem like a major city or is it like a big town? Like, how would you describe it? Right. So Kathmandu is the capital city of Nepal, uh, you know, the major city, of course. And a lot of people, you know, many people come to Kathmandu to seek their fortune um, because here uh, the, uh, the distribution of facilities are um, not equal to all the places. So from the villages, you know, uh, even you know people with disabilities, they come to Kathmandu to uh, to seek uh, uh, the better opportunities or to seek their fortune, uh, to have uh, you know better educational opportunities, to have employment opportunities, even to uh, take some trainings, uh, right? Uh, so a lot of people, a lot of crowd, a lot of you know traffic jam here. So you know a lot of hustle and bustle. Okay. so there would be yeah, like of, so now is there any sense of public transportation there uh yes um, oh there is you know, oh. yeah yeah unlike america here many people use public transportation so right. uh, so people generally <laughs> own cars only bikes 
and public transportation. Hmm. Hmm. I see. I see. Do you suppose there are any international restaurants? I I love eating food. I love yeah. Indian food, so I would probably love. Right. I I would love Nepalese. But are there for like the foreigners who are like working there? Do they have access to like international things and inter international food? Right. Yeah. In Kathmandu, yes, of course. Yeah. Of hmm. course. Yeah. If you, if you come to Nepal, I would love to take you to you know, different places here. Oh, well, you're, and well, you're so kind. I, right. I, I, I am sadly, I am sadly not, I am sadly not planning a trip to, to Nepal mm -hmm. anytime soon, but don't worry if I come, I'll make sure to call you and stop by because that invitation. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I'd love to host you. Uh, so you oh, well, you're so, well, I, I great. you know what, you know, what's even, what's even more amazing than coming to Nepal in my life is, is how kind you are. I appreciate the kindness more than the trip, honestly. Kind, being kind is so touching and being kind is, is so important in life. I, right. Well, you're, you're always welcome in America, man. You seem, thank you. you seem really yes, thank you appreciative so of our country. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, so are there like, uh, uh, American restaurants, French restaurants, mm -hmm. like that type of Western food. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also found, you know, some, you know, Nepali restaurants here, uh, there in U.S. also. Really? Oh, yeah. That's, that's strange. Yeah. Most, you know, there is, um, or there was, <laughs> there was or is, I can't tell which one it is. Mm -hmm. There was or is an Indian restaurant near, near my home that serves wonderful food. I love Indian. Um, and wow, they have yeah. like a buffet and everything. And I'm saying was because it, it is an Indian restaurant. And then we had a virus and then there was, wow. so it was, was, I, I, I don't know whatever became of it if he stayed in business, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people have been, have felt this year have just been really stuck. So another, another strange thing that I want mm -hmm. your feedback and opinion on is a lot of Westerners go to Nepal mm -hmm simply to, um, and this is a loaded question. Right, right. This is a mouthful. Yep. We don't even have time for the full story, but a lot of people mm -hmm. come to Nepal simply to climb Mount Everest. Um, mm -hmm. This causes a lot of social problems and, and a lot of different issues in Nepal. Can you give mm -hmm. us your, your, basically a summary of your theory and your opinion on should mountaineering be allowed in Nepal? Is it even appropriate? What do you think about Mount Everest and that whole fixation? Right. As you said that, you know, many people come here to conquer uh, Mount Everest and there are uh, other, you know, several mountains. But the thing is that, you know, uh, those who, who climbed up or like those who uh, so, so those who alre already conquered. So there are a lot of, you know, pollution things in going on there, like, you know, leaving their plastics and all the, the you know, unnecessary materials over there. So, so that should be banned. Uh, like, you know, this would be uh, oriented first um, and, and government, you know, should you know, like impose a lot, a little bit, you know, uh, strict, you right. know, rules. I, I, I didn't, I, I missed a word there. I didn't quite catch it. Something mm -hmm. about plastic. I didn't quite get the point. Something about plastic. Right, right. What? Yes. Yeah. Plastic bottles, like, you know, water bottles. So there yeah. came a big issue about like, you know, uh, the Mount Everest and the trekking areas were filled up with, you know, a lot of, you know, trashes. Oh, the, oh, the oxygen, the oxygen bottles that they drop off. Yes. Along the yeah, way. Yeah. Water bottles. Yeah. 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 Or oxygen, yeah, okay. the CO2, the oxygen bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So you think it's okay. So basically you think that the littering should mm -hmm. be yes. banned, but then if you're up, the problem is the problem with that though is when you get to those high um, elevations, uh, mm -hmm. you, your brain in English, the word is a very strange word. You become, uh, let me think, I have to think about how to say it. It's such a strange word. You become, yeah, you become hyplectic. Um, mm -hmm. uh, your, your brain doesn't function. So mm -hmm. my question then would be, yeah, you're right. They shouldn't litter. But then if you're up, you know, 28,000 feet, how are you going to tell someone, oh, by the way, don't litter? It's like they aren't, uh, yes, you're right. And B, they probably are not going to listen to some regulation like that. The the type of, unfortunately, and this is my <laughs> opinion, this, this is purely my opinion, and I'm going to get some hate mail for this for sure, is that the type <laughs> of person who climbs Mount Everest is mm -hmm. kind of a narcissistic person, and they're the type right. of people who don't care about other things. Mm -hmm. in, in general so right. 
you know, I'm sure, I'm sure now this episode is going to get some nasty. Well, I climbed Mount Everest and I was really nice to the environment. I picked up my bottle. Well, good for <laughs> you. Well, well, good then. But, yes. um, but I, I, I have watched many documentaries where they get these climbers up at very inappropriately high elevation and then it becomes very hard to control people. And then the mm. other problem is, is that then on, on Everest, which is true, um, there's a lot of bodies that are uh, buried and frozen into the into the mountain. Um, right. So, I, I, in a very general sense, do you think people should climb Mount Everest, or do you think no? At this point, it should be banned. What do you think? Uh, I'd say, uh, like you know, that is the you know main main part of our tourism, right? So. Uh, so people, people are like, you know, they, they should be allowed to climb up Mount Everest, but, you know, the pace should be controlled a little bit. Um, that we could do some sort of, you know, pause and like cleaning up the stops because, you know, there are a lot of, you know, porters, right? So Nepali porters who have experiences of, you know, climbing Mount Everest, you know, around 20 times, 30 times, because, you know, all those foreigners are escorted by those Sherpas. In like, you know, uh, they could be mobilized, you know, for some sort of, you know, cleaning ups. I think, oh, yeah, because, you know, they're very much capable of doing, you know, controlling people even in the up, you know, altitude. So, uh, so, uh, so government could take help from those, you know, friends mm. also. I see. So you would, you would want the government to then instruct the, Sher the, 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 the Sherpas to, right. to just clean up after everybody well. Oh, who knows? I don't know. That sounds yeah. like, well, they were trying to pick up the bottle and then an ice a block of ice came down and no, 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 I'm no, I was being, no, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I'm being dead serious. That sounds, <laughs> right, that sounds right. really dangerous to me to ask the shirt, but well, 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 while they're picking up the bottle, someone else does something foolish. You know, that's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just to me, I mean, I get it. If you want to do it one time in the summer for the experience and you're going to not hurt people or hurt the environment, I get right. it. But I think that it's kind of become an obsession with too much of the world. And mm -hmm. I think the, the sad truth is that it's a great portion of your country's economy. is It mm -hmm. revolves around tourism. And many countries have a tourism economy. Nothing wrong mm -hmm. with it. But when you're putting so many people's lives in danger, right. that's kind of where I think it's not... It, it becomes inappropriate when so many people die. Yeah, I agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So, 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 you know, the pace should be, you know, decreased, like, you know, uh, pace of, you know, letting people climb up, you know, it should be decreased because, you know, the government has, you know, given license, you know, very rampantly. That is very bad. I think, you know, even. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? Like, you know, um, there are like, you know, people are making, you know, some sort of, you know, crowd, like, you know, whoever wants to like, you know, climb up uh, and those whoever meet the criteria, uh, they are like, you know, just, you know, given permission, right? So, hmm. so that should be regulated. So the crowd should be decreased and pace of, you know, giving permission to people should be limited, like, you know. Oh, I see. So you're saying they should go back to how it was years ago where they control the number of people that are allowed to climb the mountain at one time. Right, right, yeah. And also, like, you know, uh, so uh, the time frame also, like, you know, in this season, like, you know, we would just allow this number of people. Uh, you know, I uh, like, it might be hard, you know, to, you know, immediately stop, you know, for people to do that, but, um, but the pace should be, like, could be decreased like the degree, like, you know, number of people or like, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. You're the, the number, the frequency. So yeah. Right. So basically, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted. Free, yeah. Maybe. So, so basically what you're arguing right. is that, yeah, people need to be doing this less. Yeah. But yes, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't reduce the danger and that doesn't reduce the pollution. So it's, I mean, yes, you're right, but I'm not, I'm also, but who knows? I, I don't know if that would truly solve it. I'm not sure if that's the solution. I think the solution mm -hmm. is probably to keep raising the price of the trip, I guess, to maybe filter out some, I don't know. It's, it just seems to me, my theory is 
you're putting too much, too many people's lives are in danger. So it's just not a good yeah. hobby. But you know, people people are into that. I guess they climb all the other peaks. So you got to do that one. Yeah. <laughs> if you hit all the continents, I don't know. But did you do mountain climbing in the states? I uh, know I didn't. I see. And yeah, could, and could you and 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 could and could you climb Everest if if you wanted to? Do you think you would be up for it if you wanted to? Uh, yeah. So that's like you know uh, I have done climb, uh, while climbing and this stuff like that. But I have a little bit you know desire to to go up uh, in the mountain, but not uh, you know made my plan of like you know uh, you know summiting at the Everest yet. Yeah, but. Uh, but I'd like to, you know, try with some, you know, small mountain stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the smaller mountains are okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was um, really, 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 really all really excellent. We're coming up on get this just five minutes left. Um, okay, yep. So basically, what are your, uh, in summary, what are your plans today? What are you going to do today on this? Friday morning in Nepal. Um, so, um, so we have to do a lot of you know coordination with uh, the COVID nineteen cases, uh, mm. as this has been such an unfortunate reality the world is facing. And Nepal, in Nepal, the cases are rising, right, rising up. And along with the cases rising up, hunger has been another challenge for people, for daily wage workers, people who have disabilities, you know, single mothers who have you know uh, disabled children or you know, lactating mothers um, and, and their main source of income has been terminated and many people have lost their jobs. Um, the restaurants worker and many deaf and hearing impaired people used to work in restaurants as waiter. So their job has been snatched, like, you know, terminated. Uh, so, so we have been doing uh, food deliveries and medicine supplies, you know, to the doors of people who are suffering a lot and 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 if uh, the country is uh, under the lockdown over the past two months so the situation is getting much harder over here mm. and, oh man and, oh man yep. it, it's strange i i speak to students from all over asia and certain countries were hit hard others were country that was hit the least was vietnam they said vietnam had very few cases so i'm sorry to hear that nepal had so many um it's all very all very frustrating, all very strange. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And here we, neighbors and volunteers of our organization, we are united uh, in terms of like, packing up boots and delivering stuffs uh, because it is the demand of time that we should be united, you know, uh, and we should be driven by the universal uh, in a spirit of, you know, humanity. Uh, so, so, yeah, we have been doing this, you know, campaign. Right. Well, that's, that's really excellent. And um, so what are some, basically, what are some countries in the remaining uh, two minutes? What are some countries that you hope to go to in, in the future? Uh, I'd really love to go to Canada and Ireland and also New Zealand. Because, mm. you know, I, I was, I, I studied a lot of, you know, Irish literature uh, and, and, you know, I was, you know, kind of, you know, fascinated by Irish, you know, culture. Uh, uh yeah so 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 that that i i suppose the land of genius people you know the simosini wbe it's all the literary figures yeah uh, yeah yeah so so i I'd, I'd love to you know catch up with some you know irish people and, and see their environments also wonderful have you been on a podcast before do you do a lot of this podcasting uh not really uh like i and my brother we we host a weekly radio show uh here oh. from nepal yeah and it, it's oh, well, like kind should, of live well you should well you should get that radio online so i could be on a, on a nepalese radio station that would be sure. that yeah would, of course yeah of that course. would be yeah. a that would be like the first time in history that some guy from right. america who's never been to yeah. nepal was on a nepalese station that would be awesome man yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. We should, we should do that. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I think I saw you because you fit. Now the next, the better question, or perhaps the best mm -hmm. question is: So then, how did you find out about blind, blind advocacy radio? Because he's just starting up. How did you see that post? I think that's how you came in contact with me. Yeah. So uh, somebody, uh, somebody uh, like you know from National Federation of the Blind, Washington D.C. So he he shared that post on Facebook. 
Really? Uh, yes. Well, I'm really glad to hear that because this guy who I'm working with, the blind advocacy radio people, they're just starting mm -hmm. out. So this is going to be their debut. My show is the first show ever on their station. I'm the debut wow. artist, basically. It's an immense wow. honor. Um, yep. It was a simple matter of luck and timing. Um, right. But but I'm really I'm really glad. I'm so glad that you came today. You are... Mm -hmm. Number one, you're always, I hope that you come back to the United States because you sure. greatly appreciate our country. And I hope that you go to many more conventions because you love coming here. And yeah. number one, you're always welcome on Aaron's opinion because I just love talking to you. Uh, your yeah, perspective is right. Um, yeah. And I've, I must say, I've never, I've never spoken to a Nepalese person for an hour before and I, I loved it. It's a wonderful conversation. I'm fascinated by your country. And, you so and of course, um, you should also start your very own podcast because you have a great, a great message. You're always welcome uh, right here. And who knows, listener, you might hear me on a Nepalese station someday. You've been listening, yeah, to, Aaron, you've been listening to Aaron's opinion. I'm Aaron Richmond. Uh, he's, he's, Sush, he's Sushil. From Nepal, have a good day today and a great day tomorrow. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all-in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.